right, this morning we are starting a new sermon series called Christ Encounters. We want to have, we want you to have a moment with Jesus Christ this morning, as that video just said. Um, let me start, let me start with this. Uh, thinking about the church, I have uh, two thoughts. Well, I have a lot of thoughts when it comes to church. But when it comes to uh, the context of what we're talking about here today, I, ha- I have two thoughts. I have a few MOs, two MOs, major objectives for the church, things that, uh, that I would like to see in our church, I would like to see in, in the church as well, but especially our church, is two things. First of all, I think church should be fun, okay? I think that you should enjoy coming to church. You should look forward to coming to church. I think you should like the people that you go to church with. Turn to somebody and smile at them, okay? You should like the people that you go to church with. You should like um, the worship and the preaching and the ministries and the, everything. Whatever. I think that church should be fun. There are times where um, you know, it, it has seemed, or times in the past maybe, that it, you know, it, it, okay, I guess i got to go to church. I gotta, you know, we're singing, I don't know, Gregorian chants, or I don't know what's going on. But it, it, you know, it's like boring. Church should not be boring, okay? God, Christ has made us alive, and that's exciting. And I think that church should be fun. And so we do things um, like we had our summer celebration. Our last sermon series was called Kicking It Old School. That's not typical, I don't think. Um, And so we just talked about how fun it was as a kid growing up with the church. And so I think that church should have fun. We should have fun at church. Anybody agree with me on that? If I'm the only one, I'm going to get you there, okay? I promise. So I think church should be fun. But I also think a second thing, okay? I think that we should come expecting the presence and the power of God. I think it should be fun, but it's also not a playground, okay? I think that we should come with an expectation that the presence and the power of an almighty God will meet us here every single Sunday morning, every single Wednesday night, women's prayer on Tuesday morning, whatever. Whenever we come together, we should expect the presence and the power of God. And you know what? That's what changes us. That's what changes us, the presence and the power of of God. Listen, the, the Bible is not just good advice that you add to your life to help out a little bit, okay? Uh, a, a sermon should not be, here's a little nugget to help you out this week. No, no, no. The, 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 the Word of God, the preaching of God's Word, should bring the presence and the power of God in our lives that changes us, that moves us in a certain direction, doesn't just help us out a little, or here's a nice little nugget of information. And that's what this series is about. We kind of had a fun series there. I'm expecting the, the presence and the power of God in this next six weeks, okay? In the next six weeks, I've been praying for it, and I want you guys to pray for it with me, that we see the presence and the power of God here at Friendship Church. How many of you say, I, I will pray with you for the next six weeks that we see that? Absolutely. That's what I believe in, and that's what I want to see. It's called Christ Encounters, as we're looking through six different people who had one-on-one conversations with Jesus Christ. What was that like? To actually have a one-on-one conversation with Jesus himself, standing right in front of you, the long, flowing brown hair and everything, right? That's what the movies tell you. Uh, what, it, what, what did that look like? What did that feel like? Well, we're going to walk through with some different people and in the Bible, and look at their conversations. And I also want you to meet several people in our church who are having their own Christ encounters. How many of you know 
that Christ encounters didn't just happen 2,000 years ago, but they happen today. And we want the presence and the power of God to visit you here today. So, if you have your Bibles, turn to Luke chapter 19. Luke chapter 19. If you don't have uh, your Bibles, we've got Scripture on the screen here for you. One of these weeks, I'm not going to put the Scripture on the screen, by the way. Make you bring your Bibles. Luke, that's not today though. Luke chapter 19. Very familiar passage of Scripture, especially those of you who have uh, grown up in the church. This is the story of Zacchaeus. How many of you have heard the story of Jesus and Jesus and Zacchaeus? You've heard this story before. How many of you have never heard this story in your life? Raise your hand. Okay, a couple actually. All right, very good. All right, we're going to talk about Jesus and Zacchaeus. Maybe you've heard of Zacchaeus, but you probably can't spell Zacchaeus. That's okay. Uh, you don't have to spell it. You just have to know, you know, it's Zacchaeus. So here we go. Luke chapter 19, starting in verse 1. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. Yeah, that's how you spell that. You know, I misspelled it when I was first typing it. But there you go. That, that's it. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. So it starts off that um, it, it lets us know who our main characters are, Jesus and Zacchaeus, okay? So by this point, this is toward the end of Jesus' ministry. So everywhere Jesus went, there was a multitude of people. There were people that were always around him. He had his entourage of 12, but then he also had several other people that were always with him because they wanted to hear an amazing teaching or they wanted to hear um, uh, or they wanted to see a miracle happen possibly. And then we had this guy, Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector, and he was wealthy. So we're setting up a little bit of who this Zacchaeus was. Now, as, as many of you know, um, tax collectors back in the day, nobody liked tax collectors at all. They were meanies, okay? They, they, they didn't like them. What happened was they were employed by the Romans to uh, collect taxes, but then they would hike up taxes just whenever they wanted to, to line their own pockets. This only happened back in the day. That doesn't happen today. That, this was only back then, but anyway. Um, so, uh, so he would line his own pockets with this. But the thing was, is he was taking money from his own people. And so no, they didn't like them. The, the, this, this Jewish tax collectors were taking money from their own people. So they, nobody liked them. Okay, so we have, we have our, our two contrasts here. Everybody liked Jesus, and they were following him. Nobody liked Zacchaeus. It was get away from me. Okay? So these are our two people in the story here. Verse 3, he wanted to see, this is Zacchaeus, he wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was... A short man, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him, since Jesus was coming that way. So this sets the scene of exactly how many people are around Jesus, okay? There was not 10 or 20 people around, around Jesus. If there were, he could have you know, somehow maneuvered his way to get, to get a sight of him. This was possibly hundreds of people, Okay? Have you gone to a concert or a sporting event and you're walking through trying to get through people because you're trying to find someone that you're you know, going to sit with or whatever and you can't see anybody and you've got to get to a high place so you can find? This is how many people we're talking about. This is not a few people. There were possibly hundreds of people gathered around Jesus to hear him speak or to do a miracle. And so Zacchaeus was at the back of the line and he couldn't, he couldn't see him. So he looks down the road and he sees a sycamore tree. He sees where Jesus is going. So he sprints down so he can climb this tree so that he can get a view of who this Jesus was. Verse 5, my favorite verse of this story. When Jesus reached 
the spot. Everybody say the spot. All right. This lets me know that Jesus was looking ahead to what he was doing that day. Like he knew what was going on. So he's walking along and people are kind of pushing him this way and this way. And Jesus, hey, heal me and whatever. He's kind of walking along. But he had a mission that day and he was going to a spot. And it says when he reached the spot, Zacchaeus was in a tree right above him. So he looked up and he said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. Now, I don't know if Jesus kind of hesitates at this moment, because then what is going on in Zacchaeus' head? Like, oh, does, does he know who I am? Does he know that I, I cheat the Jewish people? Does he, what, what, first of all, he knows my name? What in the world? Who is this? Zacchaeus, come down immediately. He thinks he's going to get in trouble, you know. I must stay at your house today. I want to come be a guest at your house. I want to be with you. What is going on in Zacchaeus' mind right now? Who, how do you know my name? How do you know I live around here? What, how do you know all of this about me? You just looked up. You knew I was here because you walked to the spot. You looked up. You called me by name and then said you want to hang out with me. Who is this Jesus that would want to hang out with me? And back then, of course, it was a big deal when someone would come over to your house. There was a lot to do back then. You had, if, if you had a guest over at your house, you had to wash their feet well, uh, upon coming in. You had to feed them something, all this stuff. You have to clean your house. You ever have somebody come over to your house? You got to clean your house. You got to make it look like you're clean, okay? Yeah, our baseboards are always clean, all the time, okay? I didn't clean it two minutes before you walked in, sure, Okay? we got to clean our house. we got to make it look really good before somebody comes over. We don't want anybody to think that we're messy, okay? We clean, we clean ourselves up. We clean our house up before the guest comes over. But Jesus here says, Zacchaeus, I want to come to your house today. You notice that Christ's acceptance came before repentance. Like, we haven't hit the point of repentance yet. Like, you know the story. We haven't hit the salvation part yet. We haven't hit the repentance part yet. But yet, Jesus has accepted Zacchaeus already and wants to spend time with him. We have this thought sometimes that we have to clean our house before Jesus comes over. Like we have this thought that we've got we've got to we've got to get our stuff in order. I've got to you know I got to stop smoking first, and then I'll be a Christian. Or I've got to stop doing this first, and then let me clean. Well, you know we're you know we're not doing great financially. Let me kind of figure things out or whatever, and then I'll give my heart to the Lord. We have this idea that we have to fix ourselves before we ask Jesus. This story flies in the face of that. Okay, it is not up to you to fix your life. You're the one that got you in this mess. How are you going to fix your life, okay? You're the one that got you there. Jesus accepted him before the repentance came. So for those of you who are here in the room, uh, you know, Jesus won't accept me. He wanted to go over to the house that no one else wanted to go to his house. No one did. Jesus says, Zacchaeus, I want to come to your house. Some people think that they have to change before they'll start going to church, or they'll accept Jesus. No. He, he loves you right now and accepts you right now, and he wants, you to, he wants to be a friend to you right now. 
Verse 6, so he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. Yeah, I would too. Someone wants to hang out with me? <laughs> like no one in this town wants to go to dinner with me. No one in this town wants to go, you know. He welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, he has gone to be the guest of a sinner. That's a great English word, mutter. We need to say that more often, you know, mutter. People were muttering, okay? People began to mutter. Why is that? Because Jesus didn't want to go to their house? I don't know, but they were just muttering. Listen, let me tell you something. There will always, everybody say always. There will always be mutterers in your life. Always. And you know what? Let them mutter. Okay? Because here's the deal. If they're muttering about you, they muttered about a thousand people before you. Okay? And they're going to mutter about a thousand people after you. So just let them do this, okay? Just let them do this right here. Let them mutter. And if you're a mutterer, stop it. <laughs> okay? Can I, is that, can I be blunt like that? Stop it. Cut it out. You're hurting the family of God by doing this. Cut it out. There's always going to be mutters in your life. He's gone to be the guest of a sinner. Well, yeah, why do you think Jesus came? We'll find out here in just a second. Verse 8. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. This, ladies and gentlemen, is repentance. Okay? Completely changed his life. Zacchaeus was a no good cheat and a scoundrel and a thief and all these things. And then one conversation with Jesus completely turned him around. That's why I want, when we come to church, that we experience the presence and the power of Christ. Because he changes us. I used to be like this now I'm like this. I'm something else. All because of Jesus. I used to treat people this way. I used to say this. But now I do something else completely different. That's what Jesus does. This is repentance. To repent is to stop moving in the current direction, turn around, and move in the opposite direction. If I am going this way, and this is the type of person that I am, I am the type of person that lies to my boss or lies to my husband or wife or my kids to get myself out of trouble or to make myself look better. I move in this direction. When no one's watching, I get on my computer and my phone on stuff that I shouldn't be looking at. I move in this direction, and I'm a jerk to people, and I'm crabby, and I'm a mutterer, and I'm this over here. I'm moving in this direction. Repentance is completely turning around and moving away from that and toward Jesus. That's what repentance is. Repentance is not just simply saying, I'm sorry. Repentance is not just, I'm sorry. If you're driving down the road looking for a restaurant, your restaurant, and you say, oh, there's my restaurant right there. There it goes. Sorry, I missed that. No, you, at some point you have to stop and turn around. What does it matter if you're sorry that you missed where you were going? It doesn't matter. <laughs> what does sorry mean? 
You have to turn around. Where's the next U-turn? I'm going to turn around. It's more than just acting like this and doing these things. Oh, I'm sorry, I shouldn't do that. And then continuing to do those things and move in that direction. What does sorry do? Repentance is not just sorry for what I did. It's turning around away from that and moving toward the Lord. And you say, well, I, I can't do that. I'm, I, you know, this is, I, I, this is the way that I am and I act and I move this way. That's why we have conversations with Jesus. Because we can't do it on our own. We can't do it on our own. As we're moving in this direction, we say, God, help me. And he grabs us by the head and turns us this way. And he says, walk in this direction. We're going to walk away from that. And from time to time, we may turn around, but remember, no, we're going this direction. Because God saves us and changes us. I used to be the kind of person that walked this way. Now I'm the kind of person that walks this way, and it's because of Jesus. Jesus did this. Until you see yourself as a sinner, you will not see your need for a Savior. Until you see yourself as a sinner. Sometimes we move in this direction, well, I'm all right. I'm no worse than so-and-so, and we name three people who are awful. And as long as we're better than the awful people, we've we got to be fine. If you're moving in this direction away from God, you're not moving in the right direction. And God changes us. And until you see yourself as a sinner, you won't see your need for a Savior. I, need a, I Adam Fithin, need a Savior. You, put your name in the blank, need a Savior. Because we were sinners. So repent. Repent today. Verse 9, Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. That's why Jesus came, to seek and to save the lost. He wasn't down here doing parlor tricks. He's not a magician. He's down here to seek and to save the lost. That's what he came to do. So for those of us and everyone who at one point or is still moving in this direction, he came to save you because he sees, you don't see the cliff right here that you're about to fall off, but he does. And you don't know the extent of your life. You don't know if the cliff is here or down the road. So we've got to turn around and move toward Jesus, which is where life and forgiveness and grace and heaven is. That's why Jesus came. So do you want to change your behavior? You say, I move in this direction more often than I'd like to admit. Do you want to change your behavior? Then change who you worship. Change who you worship. When it comes down to it, any movement in this direction is for self. Why do you lie? To get yourself out of trouble. So that you're not in trouble. Or to make yourself feel better. Why do you look at stuff on the internet when you know you shouldn't? Because that's what you feel like doing. That makes me happy for a short amount of time. Why do you act like a jerk? Because it's fun. <laughs> why, do you, why do we do these things? Because you worship yourself. Because it, what matters is how I feel and how I'm doing and, and, and my feelings. But when you choose to worship Christ, now... You begin to you don't you're not worshiping yourself anymore. You turn and you begin to worship Christ. 
now as you're worshiping Christ, you see, first of all, how terrible those things were, and it kind of opens your eyes to the newness and the goodness of Jesus, and you begin to move in that direction. So even when simple things come up and you say, I don't feel like going to church today. Well, since I don't worship myself and I worship God, I'm going to get up, brush my teeth, and go to church because I'm worshiping God today. I'm not worshiping my feelings. I'm worshiping God. I choose to do that. I'm going to turn the internet off. Why? Because I'm not worshiping myself. I'm worshiping God. And every time I do that, I break our friendship with God. I break my relationship with God every time I do that. If you want to change your behavior, then change who you worship. And you begin to move toward God. Change who you worship. You say, does Jesus even want me? Does Jesus, I mean, you know. Does Jesus even know all the things that I've done or whatever it is, the things that I I choose to do? Listen, we always hear the story or read the story from the person's point of view. And I I thank God that Zacchaeus was able to have this one-on-one conversation. with Because he went back to the house, and I don't know what they talked about. I don't know what they ate, but it was just him and Jesus back at his house just talking about stuff. Just how incredible is that? But we always hear the story from the person's point of view. What if we heard the story from Jesus' point of view? Now, some of this is a little speculative, I will admit, but I think that we can use our context clues and how much Jesus loves us that we can see some of this, okay? So what if the story was told from Jesus' point of view? Jesus awoke that morning with a lot on his mind. There were many things to do today, he thought to himself, but today is the day I get to talk to Zacchaeus. Listen, we are on his mind. He thinks about us. He loves us. During the breakfast, The disciples noticed that Jesus was ready for the day to start. He hurriedly ate his food, his lucky charms, and pushed everyone to finish their meal. We are going to Jerusalem today, and everything that is written by the prophets about the Son of Man will be fulfilled. That's Luke 18, 31. This is right before the story, okay? The disciples didn't understand, but they were with Jesus to the end. As Jesus approached Jericho, he thought, ah, yes, the man born blind, uh, he should be starting to shout soon, Jesus, son of Nazareth. Okay, this story is before Zacchaeus, okay? So this is, all right. Have mercy on me. Jesus says, ah, there it is. Let's go talk to my man over here. After healing the man, the crowd began to multiply. Maybe we'll see another miracle, they hoped. This Jesus can do no wrong, they said to each other. And then they muttered two minutes later, but anyway. Now Jesus enters Jericho. There is a lot to do over the next several days. He will come riding in on a donkey on a great triumphal entry the next day. But there is something, there's someone he wants to meet first. Today is the day I get to talk to Zacchaeus, he says to himself. As he walks along the crowd, smothering the space and making it difficult to get through, Jesus looks ahead and he sees a sycamore tree. He glances up to heaven and smiles. He thinks, I remember when I first planted that sycamore tree. The roots began to take hold. The trunk burst forth from the soil. And I remember thinking, Zacchaeus is going to climb up in those branches one day. I better make them extra strong, make sure they can hold them. The purpose for the creation of this sycamore tree is about to come to fruition. He finally approaches the spot. Listen, he's been looking forward to this spot since breakfast, okay? 
He can't wait to get to the spot where he's going to talk to Zacchaeus. He couldn't wait to get there. He looks up and he sees an anxious, nervous, but soon to be great friend. And he says, Zacchaeus, listen, Jesus loves you. And he can't wait for these one-on-one moments with you. He looks forward to them. That's why he says, hey, let's talk before you go to work today. Hey, before you go to bed, can I tell you something? He loves talking to you. And it doesn't matter where you're at. He wants to talk to you. He wants to have a one-on-one conversation with you. And just as he was anticipating this one-on-one conversation with Zacchaeus, he looks forward to moments with you. I want to introduce you to a friend of mine. She's been coming to church here for a, a couple of months now. And she had one of those one-on-one moments, one-on-one relationships or, or conversations with the Lord. Her name is Macy Blanchard. And so watch this video. I guess it was a couple months ago when I finally decided to come back to the church. Um, I was born and raised in the Assemblies of God Church. And, you know, I, as a kid, I, I loved it. I loved being at church. I loved everything about it. Um, but it was outside of my school district. So I guess as I got older, high school, I would get lazy or just make friends who weren't in the church and slowly drifted away. Finally, it just got to the point where I was like, I need God. <laughs> I need him back. Um, so I actually found the TV show, The Chosen, which <laughs> broke me down, broke down all my walls. Um, and then I was finally decided, I made the decision, we're going to church. My kids are going to love it. I loved it. I want them to have that experience. And, um, I guess the biggest thing was that I never stopped knowing that God loved me. I just didn't feel worthy of his love, and so I didn't communicate or participate in this world like I knew I should have. Probably when I was home watching The Chosen and seeing the stories, specifically Mary, has a moment with Jesus where she stumbled and fell away and she came back and he didn't fuss her or anything he just treated her like a child like a friend and welcomed her back I was like that's me <laughs> I need that so I came in a couple of weeks of hearing your sermons I just decided you know I know that I've already done this, but I feel like I could use it again. And just went to the altar, prayed with you, prayed to God. I need to give my life back to you. <laughs> you I gave it to you. I took it back away from you, and now I'm ready to give it back to you for good. And that was my moment with him. Letting go of the perfectionist attitude that I feel like I have. Like, it has to be perfect or you can't do it at all. And we're not perfect people. So it's letting go of that ideal and and realizing that I can be just me, my broken self, and that God can still love me and accept me. 
because, you know, being in school, I was an A student, valedictorian, and, and, and so it, it always felt like I had to be the best. When I couldn't be the best for God, I, it, it, it was a disconnect for me. But I guess I got so broken and, and, and struggled so much that it, I just, that's what I needed to realize that he doesn't want me perfect. He wants me broken <laughs> so that he can be the one to put me back together, not me. I don't need to put myself back together before he's ready. I, I need him to put me back together so that I can be ready for him. I know he's not done. <laughs> he's not done. So I'm just going to keep coming, and I'm going to keep being there, and I'm going to live the life that I should have always lived. <laughs> but I'm happy to be doing it now. <clears throat> Changed life. I remember, yeah. Talking about spots, I remember I was standing in this spot just kind of praying for people silently behind at the altar and I remember uh, Macy praying down here and she was finished praying and she stood up and she left and I just happened to be standing here and I looked down and I saw tears on the altar and I thought now that was a conversation with Jesus that repentance was there and salvation came to that house that day I'm here to tell you today, make a move toward God. Make a move toward Christ. Okay? Away from sin, self, and the world. Just make a move. I think that Zacchaeus was saved coming down from the tree. Because he was making a move toward God. You want to hang out with me? Well, then, yeah. And then change happened. The presence and the power of an almighty God changes us. Changes us. I'm going to tell you, if, if you don't live for Jesus, you will live for something else. If you don't live, you're, you're not. If you don't live for Jesus, you will live for something else. And so my question is, is will that something else be enough in the end? Will that something else die for you? Probably not. But I know that Jesus will be enough in the end. And I know that Jesus died for me. So I'm going to live for Christ. If you would stand this morning, we're going to go into a time of prayer. And very simply, we've heard about one one-on-one -on -one conversation with Zacchaeus, another with Macy. And so now I want to give you the opportunity to have your very own one-on-one -on -one conversation with Jesus. And what I want to ask you today I mean, a couple of things. I mean, does salvation need to come to your house? Do you need to give your heart to the Lord? Then have a one-on-one -on -one conversation with Him. This is the time to do it, okay? But also, if you're here, and you, you know, maybe you've been a Christian for 50 years, but you see that sometimes you find yourself moving in this direction from time to time, and you've got to be honest with yourself, and you've got to repent. I've been a Christian for 50 years, but sometimes I move in this direction, and I need God to help me. I need to repent. We're going to give opportunity for that here today. Your, the spot 
when Jesus saw before he even talked to Zacchaeus, he knew where he was going. And there was a spot for you. Some of you, when you gave your heart to the Lord, think back to when you gave your heart to the Lord for the last time. Maybe it was at an altar. Maybe it was at this altar. Maybe it was at your home, your mom or your dad or your grandfather or grandmother led you to the Lord or you felt you needed to repent and you were somewhere. God had that spot for you and he's got a spot for someone here today as well. For many of us here today, for salvation or just to simply say, I need to repent of some movements and some wrong directions over here. So I want you to find a place to pray and I want you to have your own one-on-one conversation with God. You don't have to come and talk to me. You don't have to tell me your sins. You're not talking to me. You're talking to Jesus. Come up and talk to Jesus. So I'd like everybody to find a place to pray, whether that's here at the altar, at your seat, that's fine. But find a place and have a one-on-one conversation with Jesus. Ready? One, two, three, go. Find a place. Say, God, this is what I need to repent of. I find myself sometimes moving in this direction. God, I need you. God, I need you. Let's have our own one-on-one conversations with Jesus here today. Thank you, Jesus. God, we thank you, Lord. Thank you, God, for one-on-one conversations with you. Thank you, Lord, for change. Thank you for salvation. Thank you for repentance, God. Thank you. Thank you, Lord, that you accept us even at our worst. No one else would accept us, but God, you accepted us, Lord. Hallelujah. You accepted us, Lord. Welcomed us with open arms. Like the father of the prodigal son, you welcome us with open arms. Lord, you want to hang out with us. You want to dine with us. You want to spend time with us. Talk to us. Hallelujah, God. We thank you for that. Hallelujah. God, help us, Lord. Many of us today prayed prayers of repentance. Say, God, from time to time, I'm I'm moving this direction. And God, I'm sorry. Change me. Turn me around. Wipe me off and, and, and move me in the direction that you want me to go. I can't change myself, but God, you can change me. And God, I thank you. Thank you for these prayers. Thank you for hearing our cries and our prayers to you, God. Lord, we love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Mm, Amen. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise this morning. Hallelujah. How many of you are thankful for one-on-one conversations with the Lord? And you know what? You can can have one of those on Monday as well, on Tuesday, on Thursday. It's not just Sunday. I mean, we'll we'll see you back on Sunday. But you can talk to the Lord any time you want to. Say, God, help me. God, help me. Look forward to our next one-on-one conversation next week. Thank you for coming today. Man, what a presence of the Lord this morning. And look forward to the presence of the Lord uh, this week as well. Let me pray for you. Lord, we thank you for this day. Thank you for all that you've done for us. Pray that you would go with us as we leave this building, the church, but we go out as the church together uh, and, and tell somebody about Jesus. Help us to walk in repentance with you every day. God, we love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Love you guys. See you later.